Hey guys, welcome back to the Sons of Thunder podcast. Today, we are going to talk about what does it mean to be a dangerous man in culture? How do we encounter relativism, modernism, the world, and kick its butt with our dangerosity? Sons of Thunder is a podcast for young men by young men about living a life centered around faith, fellowship, and fitness. Welcome to the Sons of Thunder podcast. You have Eric, Eric Sean, Sean, Jacob, and John. Oh, that reminds me of I was in this play, and my only, I had a solo in this musical, and I had to hit a freaking G flat. What, what Ooh, is that? I don't know. I still don't know. I know what a G flat is, but what's a freaking G flat? I don't know. Oh, what that, that was is. hard. But I was like, it was it was my turn, and I was just like, oh shit. And then I just sang it as uh, as hard as I could. Can you can you can you give us an example? I don't know. Do you got a standing ovation? And then I got. I was in high school. I was I'm going to say this seven is a G. brides for this seven is a G. Uh, I don't. Dude, right. no way. Dude, that's totally G. Or is that a, is that a C? A I'll C? play. I'll play a G right now. <laughs> so, Sean, yeah. we're, we're going to play a G, and I want you to do the freaking G. Flat. I don't. Um, <laughs> I don't even. What, what, it's an F what sharp. My line. Same thing. I read music. Oh yeah. Yeah, F sharp. Same thing as G flat. Here's a G. Sean. Okay, no, give the flat. Sean. There you go. That's, <laughs> cool. that's like that's a hymn. Cool. <laughs> a little Gregorian chant. Yes. Welcome to the Sons of Thunder. <laughs> we just we just do it, and you know it's a it's a good mass when the priest opens up in the in yeah. the chanting. This guy loves the Lord, <laughs> but like, what's up with like the priest? Just the whole mass is just English, you know, and it's just he's not singing, and then just out of the blue, random prayer, just yep. welcome to the Father, and it's just like what? Like, where, yeah, like why are you on your toes? Yeah, yeah exactly. I guess, I guess it does. There was a great time in the Catholic leadership interns early on where. Nick Vance, we're, we're saying that there was a first mass and we're doing the Kyrie liaison. He goes, Kyrie liaison, donut. <laughs> and then everyone just looks at him. And like, ah, I'm going to seminary. <laughs> I'm going to seminary. <laughs> I'm going to seminary. <laughs> that was his moment. <laughs> Let's give yeah. a quick shout out to Nick Vance. Yep. Um, he's been a great, steadfast com- uh, member of our community. Yes. A couple more shout outs here. Yeah, so we just it. did the first inaugural 2020 Theology on Tap. Yes. And thank yeah. you to Kit at the Minnesota Catholic Conference for organizing it. And shout out to Anna Matthews for hooking us up. But we also met some great people there. Yep. Uh, we got John with the Catholic Softball Group.com. Check that out, Catholic Softball Group.com. Uh, they're not affiliated with CCR, it's not that group, but they start up in about April. If you guys are looking for some good exercise, uh, stuff like that. Also, shout out to Maggie, who was there and gave me a thing of free fried pickles. She was so adamant about... Just getting these fried pickles, and I—they were cold, but they were good. Fried pickles, they were good. Yeah, I, I love fried pickles. Yeah, they're, they're the, so good. The tap doesn't pretty well. But oh yeah, I was—I was. Blue Door does it good too. Oh, fried. Have you guys ever heard? Um, I was at the Prodigal Pub. We hope to go speak there one day as yes. well. It's on the corner of Twenty Fourth, and we were also there for its inaugural first day. Yes, actually, yes, we went there May 9th, two thousand nineteen. It's a great pub. It's on the corner of First and Twenty Sixth in South Minneapolis. Go check it out. It's a Christian pub, very cool place. But they introduced me to the idea of frickles. 
Have you guys ever heard like fried pickles? Frickles. Oh, yeah. right. That yeah. sounds good. Yeah. Deep fried pickles. So I tried to make that. So I think I think I think she offered me the fried pickles as well, and I was like, "Have you ever heard that they're called frickles?" And she kind of just gave me like, "Why? Like, well, why?" I was a <laughs> like that. That was that was, flop. So, that yeah, was that a was flop. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't funny. <laughs> just that a word is so abrasive. <laughs> frickles. frickles. Have you heard of a frickle woman? <laughs> it's like a freckle, <laughs> but it's it's even whiter. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I was that aggressive or that tone. You're just standing over. Give me some frickles. I'll have my frickles. I feel like I was called a frickle growing up. Like someone's like, "Hey, you frickle." That is a good middle school. Uh, oh yeah, that's a big zinger. Salt. Those were good. Oh dude, I wish my baseball team was like, "Hey, Frickles in the outfield." <laughs> CatholicSoftball.com, check it out. Yeah, and then you can really chirp people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Didn't you play softball, Eric? Uh, this past year. Okay, you mean and you got your black eye, man? Was, no, because yeah. I was a. I, you, boys can't play softball. Are you trying to come at me right now? Well, <laughs> I saw you play because I went Just to kidding, watch I you. I, so there's also and you a, had a beer with you at yes. second base. <laughs> That's how I knew it was you. I didn't even have to look. Was it like above sitting the next to your shoe? No, it was, yeah. it was in between the two bases. You know, if they next it over, it's player interference on their part, dude. Obstruction. Yeah. I used to be an ump. Yes, it's a great time. But also, there was also baseball. a softball league, CCR. You know, a maze uh, men's softball league. Very fun. Uh, you know, you'd, you'd you'd strike out, you crack a beer. That's what I'd say. So <laughs> it's a lot. It's of a fun. win. It's a win-win. Nah, not a win-win. And then you lose because it's fun. Awesome. Yeah. So. <laughs> Anything else about last week? Do you want to? Oh, I started watching The Young Pope with Jude Law. Oh. It's on HBO. It's fantastic. Really? It's like The Godfather meets The Vatican meets St. Jerome. Hmm. Do they right. at least not try to pretend they're legit, like the two popes? Like they admit they're fictional? No, no, no. The It's not like a... I mean, it is a fiction, but it's not... Entirely a fantasy. Hmm. Like it's what if it, basically yeah, he's an cool. extremely traditional conservative pope, and it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not heretical uh, in any capacity. It hmm. just shows human beings as priests yeah. and what it's like to actually be part of the like, you know, that's cool. backstabbing, yeah. calumny infested uh-huh. curia. What do you guys think of those things? Because I mean, it's, again, going back to Catholic leadership interns, yeah. they talked about the intersection between skills and faith, and mm-hmm. how. You know, there's movies out there that aren't faith-filled at all, but they're really, really well done. And then someone tries to do something faith-wise, but, like, the skills don't really match kind of the the attraction of culture in a way. What's, yeah. what's that one? In, it has, like, the term fire in it. Fire, fire festival? Yeah. Or, no, 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 not fire, <laughs> fire festival. <laughs> fire festival. That was just a con yeah. grift. Yeah. Yeah. No skills there either. That thing flopped. <laughs> no. But um, <laughs> he still made 300 grand in prison. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what? Well, wow. goals. Um, <laughs> no, you. Jordan Elf. At the same time. So I guess, yeah. I mean, what, what do you guys think of that stuff? That's like the two popes that's on Netflix. Yeah. Um, Have you seen you know, the two popes? This, no, I haven't. But there's, there's also another Netflix series about Pope Francis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're living in this kind of culture or this media nowadays where they're like, let's talk about the Catholic church, but is it well done? I haven't watched these things. Yeah, you have to really pay attention to that stuff. I, for one, don't really watch that stuff. Like, as Catholics, should we be, like, super excited about the next Pope? Because it's like, like, it's not really, I don't know. 
because that's the, that's the culture it, and that's what they're trying to make it to be. Yeah. They're trying to make it like a reality TV show. Yeah. You know, the Kardashians, like <laughs> the keeping up with the Kardashians. Of Vatican keeping City. up with Pope Francis. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. what is he going to wear? Oh, white again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I but think you have like, to watch it with skeptical eyes for sure. And even when they claim it's legitimate, you know, there's an agenda behind it. Um, Netflix isn't exactly known to be very Christian or pro-life for that matter. So yeah. uh, I thought the two popes... Um, was very well done from a Hollywood-esque point of view, very great acting, great cinematography. But in terms of legitimately portraying Pope Benedict, I think they did an awful job. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess since we're on this topic, I actually want to speak on, there's this thing called Formed. I don't, have you guys heard of that? Yeah, yeah, the streaming. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's pretty much, it, it's the tagline is like the Catholic faith on demand. So it's actually out of... Um, the Augustine Institute in Colorado, nice. and they—it's actually a really cool media, um, just mission that they're trying to just provide kind of Catholic education and movies and things like that. And so it's like they post podcasts or they post videos or interviews with kind of different Catholic individuals. Check it out. It's on formed.com. You can subscribe and listen. <laughs> We're not sponsored by any of these people. But the thing with these... I just thought to bring it up. But it's if cool you thing. want to what's interesting, couples love it. What's interesting with the, the shows and stuff is they're, they're supposed to be entertaining mm-hmm. and they're supposed to be like entertaining to the masses and the thing with Mm. the catholic church is like i don't know if it's supposed to be loved by the masses you know i don't think it should i don't think it should be entertaining or you know like i don't think it was meant to be uh an easy message for everyone to get and understand and be okay with yeah so it's it's really hard but i love the saint movies i love all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff like those inspiring stories yeah Yeah. like the passion i was gonna say the passion is kind of the 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 pinnacle i feel like that's yeah it's not even catholic yeah you know it's just a christian yeah movie to that point it's very accurate yeah it was done by mel gibson he's an incredible director and actor but to the point about the appeal of the masses, I think we do have the appeal. Like, if you go anywhere in Rome, the beauty of the Catholic Church, that's Definitely. what we got to hit on, is yeah. we possess beauty in the full. And there are different religions, like Islam has beautiful calligraphy, Hinduism has some beautiful artwork, but it just it does not compare. It pales in Definitely. comparison sure. to what yeah. we... Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I don't think we want to, at this stage in the game, have the media on our side, per se. I think it's almost a sign that it's good that Benedict, the media, didn't like him with how skewed the media can be. And I think it can be cause for concern that Pope Francis seems to be a media darling. And, um, you know, he's, he's, our, he's our father and he's the heir of Peter, but that doesn't mean he's infallible. He's not God. And um, I think that really came through in the two popes movie where there was a clear favoritism towards Francis. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have many opinions on Pope Francis, <clears throat> but just to speak into that, I, w- I would kind of disagree in that, like, sure. I, I would, I think our hope should be that we would win over the media. That actually, we would win the heart of, of media. And, you know, Pope Francis, he's he's been Pope in a time that, I mean, you know, JP2, you know, 20, 24-7 news networks came around in the 80s, you know, and that's when, you know, JP2 was doing World Youth Day, and there was actually so much coverage on that, and it was actually a beautiful way to kind of spread e- evangelization. This is kind of this new evangelization. Sure. And so I would, I mean, just to give, just to throw a bone to Pope Francis, <laughs> doesn't need any, but... Um, I feel like he's he's trying to you know he's he's a pope in a culture that's beyond and different than any other pope has encountered you know mm-hmm. and that actually I think his his play with the media and, and wh- how he's been interacting with them is in a way necessary for the Catholic Church today and I think it's actually beautiful 
that we're kind of getting Netflix's attention and, you know, we're getting this media attention. Yeah. What, what, how they portray it is To different. Jacob's point, though, it's like this seems to be a losing battle with the current establishment of the capital M media, and that's why things like Formed and different, how mm-hmm. we as, I don't know if we want to say smaller, lowercase conservative, but people who don't like the way that our culture is going, this is why I do my work, Mm. is that we have to establish new institutions. And at the same time, we can't just do the Benedict option, fully pull out of uh, the current institution. But you got to realize that, like, it's not... What a winning battle. Yeah, what I love is the the documentaries. I think watching, they're not even Catholic, but the Holy Spirit documentaries. Oh, those are just... Oh, oh, what's the guy's name? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I don't even know his name. Todd White. Todd White. Yeah, Yeah. watching those movies, those are like... Yeah, those are powerful. Those are so powerful because you're actually experiencing the Holy Spirit and you're actually seeing how the Holy Spirit works. And then, you know, contrasting that with the, the... the two popes or mm-hmm. I haven't even seen, I, I don't even watch those um, types of movies anymore, but yeah. just seeing those and having that be entertaining, yeah. I think it, it sheds a different light. It's more like, Oh, I'm interested in it. Mm-hmm. But if you're watching the Holy spirit and you're like, Oh my gosh, this thing is like actually real. And this is yeah. like actually exists. Yeah. I think I, I like that more. Is that on Netflix? Um, no, there's there no way wa- Todd Wade It was on what Netflix. There oh, really? was one on Netflix last time sure. I yeah. ever watched it. I mean, my, my prayer is that, you know, Disney, Disney Plus and Hulu would start streaming this stuff. You yeah. Know? And that's... Mm-hmm. Um, They'd have to buy it. Well, yeah. No, I, I get it. <laughs> but I'm saying, <laughs> like... I wouldn't this, want buy, like, damn Disney to buy Ascension Press. <laughs> no, that's, that's how they destroyed Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're not going to go there. But what I'm saying is... Yes, um, you want to see more of that stuff. But, like, like, specifically this podcast of just, you know, whatever. I mean, you you, you know, we're, we are given new voices through media uh-huh. as humans, you know, and it's... And there's going to be this... It's actually, you know, the internet and media and... There's there's more intersections uh-huh. that we can actually come through. Yeah, we got to take as advantage human of beings. it. Yeah, exactly. And so like you see this with Ascension Press, like you see this with Word on Fire with Bishop Barron. Yep. Like you know these things are actually moving people's hearts, and it's actually totally. really cool that someone sure. in the middle of Iowa or Wisconsin or Minnesota or New York City, you know, can actually turn on this thing and engage with the Universal Church. Yeah. Yep. Through technology, you but know, I you think, can. I think what we're talking about though the. It originates in the church, though. A lot of the things we're saying are well done, are directed by people who are actually on fire for their faith, like the Mel Gibsons or the Bishop Barons. And I think where it's going astray is people who are maybe really good at cinematography, Mm -hmm. but don't really have a good knowledge of Jesus or the faith. And so if we can get some of those people at Netflix, some solid Christians, then I think they could really make some headways. But I don't know if we want right now the Catholicism to be spread to the masses if it's not spread in the right way. Yes, Mm. that's the hardest part. I think even just watching Kanye West and how he's kind of grown to fame and grown in his in his faith life. Yeah, I've been so supportive of it. And I've I've loved every single moment of experiencing that album. But it, it's tough to see how he is so young in his faith and to have him be such a, you know, difference maker within the Christian realm. Yeah, role model. It's, it's such a role model. You know, it's tough to see because you want someone that has, you know, 
been pulled up through the bootstraps of yeah. the Catholic faith to, you know, to forward it on. That's why it's so awesome to see, like, Bishop Barron. He is, like, the, yeah. the media man. Yeah. He's so awesome. Well, let's talk about Kanye for a sec, though, because yeah. Kanye kind of, he has remnants of a Paul or a, a totally. Saul the Paul. And totally. I think with his mass reach, he seems genuine. He really he totally does. does. He yeah. does a lot of prison ministry right yep. now. Yep. And I think there's de- God's definitely working on his heart. Totally. I just hope people give him a chance, but also are willing to, you know, let him grow, let yeah. him make mistakes, because he's yeah. in the spotlight. We're luckily enough not to have cameras on us 24 7 to watch us screw up. Yeah. 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 So I think people got to support the man, give him a chance. Uh I mean, he says in one of his songs, he says, the Christians are going to be the first ones to judge me. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, again, I think, not again, but just I think our response needs to be love and rejoicing in that kind of conversion. Whether, you know, whether it's fake or it's not, I mean, like the dude has produced songs that have moved me yeah, and yeah. brought me closer to God. And it's a great album. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to dive into the topic because we'll we're talking it. about, so right now we're talking about, it's actually unique. We were talking about this, talking about the masses, how to do it right. Um, and so you're probably wondering why we titled this podcast and now we're talking about the Pope and these different things, <laughs> but we're talking today. We're going to talk about what does it mean to be dangerous in culture? So in this series, the first podcast, we talked about what does it mean to be dangerous, man? Like why dangerous, um, you know, where do we find that kind of that dangerous mentality? And then the second podcast in this series, we talked about how do we be dangerous in confrontations? How do we be dangerous kind of in these one-on-one friendships, relationships, in our marriages, in, in our homes? Um, we, you know, we coined the term dangerosity. It's actually this kind of this idea of uh, being dangerous, dangerosity. Yeah. So today I want to talk about, I want to kick it off with um, something from, uh, it's a quote by C.S. Lewis. Um, from one of his books called The Abolition of Man. Um, And he says, We make men without chests and expect of them virtue and enterprise. We laugh at honor and are shocked to find traitors in our midst. We castrate and bid the geldings be fruitful. And so I was really moved by this because, first of all, he begins each sentence with we. Like, we make men without chests. We laugh at honor and, and are shocked. We castrate and bid the geldings. And so... I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to kind of tee this up and then I'm going to just see where this goes. But this idea of the chest and this idea of, yeah. you know, we, we title this podcast chest day because, you know, we're faith, fellowship, fitness, hitting the gym. There's something about being able to like put up a bar or being uh-huh. focused on kind of this, this, the, the, the central part of your body and, um, building strength there. And what's beyond that or behind it mostly is your heart. And yeah. ultimately it's, it's, you know, our, our heart leads our strength and our strength. heart kind of gives our, our strength a purpose in a way. So as, as Definitely. men, how do we be dangerous, not necessarily with ourselves or in relationships, but in culture, you know, in the masses going out into the world and living a certain way of life that shows people that this guy has something to offer. He's, you know, Sean, you talked, we you talked about this last time on the podcast before about your coworker and he kind of saw something in you that was something more than what you do at work. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is how do we, how do we encounter culture um, as dangerous men? That's a big question. Yep. Do you want me to hit it first? Well, what kind of came to mind was through that quote, it's, it's so interesting because um, the hope of, you know, making a man safe would be to, to make him weak. The, the, the belief that a safe man is a weak man. Yeah. And I think 
it, I think it has to be the opposite of that. You know, I think a safe man is a strong man. I, I mean, that's just my perception. Yeah. But I think that's kind of what first came to my mind hearing that quote is just the the goal of the culture is just to make everything as safe as possible. Hmm. And, and obviously they don't want to emasculate men and they don't want to, you know, destroy uh, relationships or destroy boundaries with genders, but that's kind of just become a byproduct of hmm. oh, what dude, I would argue we have they, done. They, that's the intention. Really? That, yeah, yeah, absolutely. People I are not as that, yeah. genuinely good hearted as, and the more you look at the world, the more you realize without God or even a semblance of natural law, like, People don't just resort to hedonistic paganism where they just want to please themselves. They become yep. very angry, very resentful. I just saw a video of some uh, feminist activist outside of the White House screaming the F word and then a bunch of different nouns after, you know, patriarchy, men, white men, Christianity, and just flipping off Donald Trump. And I, I feel bad for the guy. But, I mean, he certainly gives them cause for their <laughs> anger, but... At the same time, he's sort of the scapegoat, and that's the, the figurehead. But I, I want to hit on something else you, you, at the, right at the beginning, Sean, yeah. where you talked about weakness, and something that really struck me this summer was one of my friends, Brian, was talking about how the Christian virtues or the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love, they were originally, like, Jesus built off of uh, an existing structure, right? He built off of the Old Testament, but in particular, the pagan virtues or the cardinal virtues of prudence, temperance, fortitude, and uh, help me out, justice. That's the fourth one. So without those four pagan virtues or what we can coin classical man, you know, strong Greek heroes like Alcibiades or Pericles are like really strong heroes, Alexander yeah. the Great, without a strong masculine base, the Christian theological virtues really don't like they're vulnerable and they're weak without having a strong foundation. Like we need to have a fortitude filled man, a courageous mm. man. Uh -huh. And so that's sort of what we're missing and what we've been identifying in different podcasts, like prayer and pushups. Shout out to them. They, I had yeah. several people come up to me and say, because of our podcast, they listened to theirs and they loved it. Awesome. Yeah. Good. This Except isn't a cannibalistic them. industry. No, 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 no. Except for those that babble or the, <laughs> just kidding, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Dudes that babble. Dudes that, I'm totally joking. Um, yeah, John, I think you, you bring up a good point about the, the platform or the kind of like the, the, the central you gotta point. you got to have a foundation. The foundation, uh -huh. exactly. And um, specifically in this quote, like the three things that I see mm -hmm. is that like, so we make, so like men, traders, and geldings um, is that it's kind of a fruit of one another. So we, as a culture, we make men without chests. We make men without this kind of foundation, but then we expect of them to provide and to establish and to kind of fill these roles that's, that are masculine. But then we're shocked that when they fail that, and, and then, and then we, you know, it says this line, we castrate and bid geldings be fruitful. So a gelding, just to, just to describe what it is, um, is, is a stallion who has been castrated. And so it, he says we, we, we castrate and then we build the, like we bid the geldings be fruitful. So it's like, I'm going to take something from you. They, they <clears throat> geld the they turn them into geldings because they yes. they don't want them to be stallions. They want them to be subversive or mm, submissive, yeah. and yeah. Um, like they don't want them to become fruitful. That's it, uh -huh. it's an oxymoron right there. But yeah. that's 
exactly what you're hitting at. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then, yeah, exactly. We, we, we remove from them the one thing that will make them fruitful, but then we expect of them. We're shocked at that. We're shocked. Like, why, why aren't yeah. you, why aren't you being fruitful? Why? Like, you know, and I, whether it's, I don't know, men in relationships or, you know, I feel like there's a lot of failures in culture um, because men either live out of a toxic masculinity or they just don't, or they live out, mm-hmm. they live out of no masculinity at all. Yeah. And then when men who don't have chests try to flex that masculinity, they do in a way that's just kind of, um, scandalizing in a way that just doesn't make sense to our culture. It doesn't make sense to actually what we are supposed to be as men. Yeah. Um, and so I want to focus on this uh, on this idea of the chest, mm-hmm. chest day. You know. Chest so day. when you guys go to the gym, like, and we can talk about chest day, we can talk about butt, shoulder day, whatever. <laughs> right? butt day. <laughs> I didn't say butt day. I just did. But this idea of like you're going to the gym to to build one thing. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's just like so when when you guys are showing up at the gym. Like what's what's inspiring you in that moment to choose this thing? That that makes sense. Yeah, that that makes I want to hit on something and then lead into the chest day. Yeah, because I think when I think what you're saying, what this quote is saying, gosh, my phone keeps locking. Um, uh, we make men without chests and expect of them virtue and enterprise. I think yeah. that's kind of referring to, you know, building up your chest, having a strong chest takes so much freaking time that it's like it it takes it's hard to have a strong chest you know it's a huge muscle in your body and it's a huge um you know it's kind of a huge indicator of like um strength too if you have a big chest it it kind of barrel chested gorilla barrel chested i mean it's (laughs) it's a sign of dominance you know yeah and so i think um just that quote you know, building men without chests, um, kind of referring to you're, you're just, you're not having men, um, you know, like struggle in the gym, struggle to build themselves up Mm. in virtue or build themselves up in strength. It kind of, it kind of shows that they are just wishy-washy and they're kind of just flowing with the culture. So approaching chest day, um, it's just all about commitment. Mm. And I think I was doing a lot, I mean, to get into the nitty gritty of, how I've kind of changed my chest day. It's so funny because I've been doing this workout routine that it's, it's just legs, back and chest. And it's, um, and it's so funny because chest day is literally all bench press. It's all bench Mm. press. I probably do like nine sets of bench press and then just some incline, but it's, it's been so hard. Like I, I, it's been so hard for me to just stick to bench pressing because on on chest day you can do so many different things, Mm -hmm. but I think when I just wanted to simplify it and just work on one thing and just benching and just getting better and better with that thing. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, just chest day comes with you know, that commitment to keep on getting better every single time mm. your bench press. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, let's talk more about like the chest. So like the what, chest. What, okay. What, yeah. What, no, no, no. And that's, <laughs> I mean, you answered my question. It just wasn't a good question. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, like let's focus more on like you, you said like that barreled body gorilla, you yeah, know, yeah. there's something that the, this idea like the chest kind of communicates something of strength and of, of dominance or something, right. And to have a strong chest that means like, you know, you think of the bodybuilders with gynecomastia or uh, man boobs is the colloquial term, but it, that means they're sagging, right? And it's sort of a vivid image, but to have strong muscles, that requires you, that necessitates you to have a strong back too. Mm. And this is something yeah. Jordan Peterson has in his first rule is to stand up straight with your shoulders back. 
It also means you have to have a strong chest. Like the body supports itself, yep. the antagonistic muscles back and forth. We talked about this in yeah, a different push, episode. Yeah. But to have a strong, vibrant, robust chest filled with hair on top of it, the, I don't have that. <laughs> it's okay. Low DHT. Just for men. Low DHT. No, it's just a different um, androgynous hormone. <laughs> totally fine. Let's just move on. A lot okay, of people fine. are Googling low GHT right no, now. DHT. DHT. Yeah. DHT. It's not really, I mean, it's a byproduct of testosterone. Yeah. Right? But, anyways, so you, like, when you think of a strong man with his chest out, um, that is one who confronts things face on. You know, yeah. It's literally you're upright, you're erect versus being slumped over and yeah. Um, yeah. flaccid. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think you make a good point though about your back has to be strong too. And it's even with training chest, if you just did a regular bench press every yeah. time, your chest wouldn't be well formed and well rounded. You'd only be working a portion of the chest, mm. but you need to do different movements in order to have the more well formed muscle. And the same can be said about just manliness and authentic masculinity in yeah. general. You can't just do the same thing every single day. You need to constantly expand your horizons, mm. test your limits, and ultimately kind of do the, the wielding in the fire per se not not to say doing just straight benching is bad though sean because i oh, we yeah. can see why building a good foundation Definitely. let's say if we take yeah. the particular instance of the virtue of prudence like uh-huh. you got to really build the prudence you just hit on this one virtue and virtue and virtue and once yep. you're experienced and you are virtuous in there then you can go on to different yeah. peck flies totally. or maybe weighted dips things yeah, like and that i think with uh with the chest it's kind of a, a very slow moving muscle and it's and it shows that sign of dominance, and I think it definitely relates to those virtues, you know, because if you, there's some core virtues that you can grow in, which which can be the chest, but it, if you're going to work on the chest, you're going to have to work on all of the other yeah. corresponding body parts, yeah. whether it be your biceps, your triceps, mm-hmm. everything goes into mm-hmm. the bench press. Yeah, I mean, me me growing up, I like all I would do for years in the gym, I would I'd, I'd get there, I'd do a bench press, and then I would just do biceps and shoulders and I you know I do a few rows maybe but nothing like I've you know the idea of back day I was a rower my freshman year so it's just like okay I gotta focus on the opposite (laughs) you know things but um I've had a lot of back issues like growing Uh up like you know I'm I'm actually I don't enjoy squatting because I'm afraid I'm gonna hurt my back because in the past I have I've, I've, I've herniated disc or different things and stuff like that um but it's so important, yeah, to be balanced out. Is, uh-huh. You know what I mean? And actually, um, yeah, they build them more. Yeah. If you did chest every day, you'd be sore and it'd be yeah. counterproductive. Totally. It's the same person who constantly gives, 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 and gives themselves no time for themselves at all. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't sleep. They don't find time to just be alone and enjoy their hobbies. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, they become bitter and burnt out. Yeah. 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 So, um, John, besides the legs, like, what's what's the best... Um, muscle to have when you're punching something is it the chest well that's a because <laughs> it's like i just Dude. remember toby when um pam yeah, in the office? Fight. yeah toby goes up to pam and he says something and then he's like oh and it's all in the legs well i've been watching a lot of fight videos uh conor mcgregor just kicked the cowboy's butt it was oh. amazing so beautiful the to shoulder watch. strikes yeah <laughs> And so I've been also watching a lot of Mike Tyson. Like, that dude is unbelievable. And we talked about him last time, I think, on the last podcast. Like, 
the his fist is just and no we were at the horse oh, at the, yeah. Yeah. His <laughs> fist yeah. is the size of like BMW. A din- yeah dinner plate <laughs> it's unbelievable getting punched in the face and <laughs> you guys remember the hangover when uh, yep. in the air tonight plays and they just punches Zach Galifianakis <laughs> knocks him out cold but if you're punching like to have a good punch, in, like I remember being one of the first times at MMA classes, like you need to punch with your back because if you're just going oh. like this, just extending your mm-hmm. arm, there's very little power behind it. Yeah. So if you hips. guys, yeah, yeah well, specifically like your lat needs to get, get incorporated mm-hmm. into that. Yeah. Um, I forget who it was, but this Dominican boxer used to just like unleash Natural a haymaker. <laughs> no, he was Mexican. wrestler. <laughs> but it's unbelievable to see their muscles like in slow motion act like the first yeah. thing that goes is going to be the thing to the back but um so cool yeah it, it, but then there's also this thing called the serratus uh it's right it's basically like your rib cage muscles you see the kind it's serratus striation that mm. kind of like scissored saw look it's very beautiful very aesthetic yeah. but those are called the boxer's muscles because every time you extend they come into play mm. so it's this push and pull this synergy that we talked yeah. about the taoist uh-huh. chaos and order but you need to have the two to be an effectively good puncher. Yeah. Interesting. You know, there's a, I mean, talking about, um, I used to do a little bit of boxing, not a lot. I'm not going to act like I know very much about it, but I was always taught, um, it, well, even with a baseball swing, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you have to squash the bug with your, with your back foot and you actually have to, you have to extend from, from up, um, from under to, 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 to top, if that makes sense, from bottom to top in a way. Yeah. And when you punch, you yeah, yeah, you're, you spring. And, and when you punch, it's, it's yes, there's, um, the, the contact is beginning or is, is happening at your fist, but it's actually completely all supported by your, your body, body and your back and your hips and actually yeah. the way that you extend that. And so going back more into this idea of kind of the way that we extend ourselves into culture, the way that we, you know, take our masculinity and this dangerosity, bundle it into a fist and then just like go at culture, you know, it needs to have this support. Um, I Mm -hmm. love, I I love the idea of potentia Um, recently, just this idea of like, okay, this is my quad, like this, this idea of like, how big could this thing get? Or like, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) bodybuilders, they, that's Latin, right? Potentia. Potentia, yes. So it'd be yes. potential in English. Yes. So yeah, exactly. So potentia is potential, and then like act. So this this idea that there's a there's an empty glass, and then filling that. So the 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 glass itself has a potentia to be filled, and then once it's filled, it actually has an action, has a purpose. So as men, hmm. being dangerous, you know, we're born into the world with the intention of being dangerous, with the intention of kind of like filling in this masculinity, right? And so our chest. If you think about the you know muscles in general, but just chest day, right? You know, we talk about man boobs, right? Of just like sagging or whatever, right? Like there's something lacking in that. There's something, there's, there's a deep purpose in our muscles. And if we're not building those things, we're not filling in that purpose, right? Well, so, interestingly enough, gynecomastia most often when it's in the bodybuilding terms is because of an excess of testosterone and then a, a, an amazing deficit. So when people juice up with steroids, it disrupts the natural cycle hmm. and they're, they get jacked. They have enormous pectoral muscles. Yeah. But as soon as the toxic side, the excess, and when you go all the way over to the other side, it doesn't know how to react. And then there's no virtuous mean whatsoever yeah, after uh-huh. that. So you go, there's no way. It to deflates. Exactly. But it gets worse than deflate. It sags. Mm, yep, yeah. Yep. And so me in my own life, like there's been times in faith where it's just like, I'm getting filled up. You know, this idea of hitting the gym and being swole, like you leave the gym and you're just like, whoa, I feel buff. Cause you're, it's a great, you know, the, yeah, uh, I got to say there's swollen. nothing as good. And I've had plenty of pumps, but there's no pump as good as a chest pump. Uh-huh. Yeah. Biceps, no legs. No, it's just like, yeah. 
Oh, yeah, uh-huh. and if you're a rock climber, it's the forearms. It's, it's like, why can't you just stay can't this way? Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll take the limited mobility. Yeah, exactly. yeah, you just can't move anymore. But I can't go up so, these stairs. So what I'm saying is, like, I've gone through seasons in my life where I'm, like, I'm pumped and I'm filled, and then I go to the opposite end, the, the, the toxic end, and you know what I mean? And the excess yep. begins, and, I, and, and there's a sagging kind of going on. Like, uh-huh. physically, spiritually, emotionally, like, everything, right? Totally. And it's and hard it's, to recover from that. Yeah. It's yeah. like if you haven't been in the gym in a few weeks, your first few times at the gym, you're not walking away with that feeling yep. you actually feel miserable the process it. is miserable yeah. you have to rebuild from the ground up yeah. Yeah. yeah i think the most important part is just the consistency of working out and the consistency mm. of being a dangerous man yeah. how important it is to be consistent yeah. and um just disciplined yeah. you know because even if you you might skip um chest day for for two weeks yeah. you might skip it and you will you will notice change and you'll notice mm-hmm. yourself getting weaker yeah, yeah you know just to to practice that every single day if it's prayer or something like that mm-hmm. or every single week if you're working out or yeah. um every single week if you're going to mass or yeah. you know every single month yeah. if you're going to confession yeah. you know all of these things the the structure and the commitment and the consistency of it mm-hmm. is the the most important part absolutely okay. with prayer i think 100 yeah. percent. i think when you get out of a prayer rhythm and you're doing it sporadically it's it's almost miserable yeah you know they say prayer is the easiest thing to do and the hardest thing to do totally and but once you get in the rhythm and the flow of things it's like a pump and it's like the holy spirit yeah. is filling you and filling you and filling you and the cool thing about the holy spirit is it's not limited like your muscle is you know your yes. thigh gets too big it's going to explode out of yep. your body yep. but with the holy spirit like nothing is mm-hmm. impossible mm-hmm. so let, so i'd like to bring it back to this idea <clears throat> we we are we make men without without chests right so uh, the you know men are born and with this potentia right this glass that's empty and then whether or not we fill it or not I want to talk a little bit about how do we offer that class? It's like, how do you serve yourself as a dangerous man to, to the world? You know, it's just like you've prepared this thing and you've been, you've been fighting for this thing, kind of taking a turn away from kind of looking inward on ourselves and at the gym and our time there, but more so about like going out into the world, yeah. you know, yeah. th- about yeah. the culture. So how, how are we raising men without chests? I don't know. How to answer that, Eric? But yeah, it's um, a good question. <laughs> I'll try to I'll try to stump take a stab at it. I think just raising men without chest is kind of a we we're kind of starting to live in more and more of a culture without consequences. Mm. Um, we're starting to live in a culture where you can, you know, say anything you want. You can almost do anything you want. You can, in some states, smoke most things that you want. You know, we're kind of starting to. Unlimited freedom. Unlimited freedom. And, and un- you can go on your phone all the time. You can go on your phone in class. You can, you, 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 know, you can play video games as much as you want. And I think we're, we're starting to see the overstimulation, you know, like you're talking about, John, when you're on these, you know, steroids. You just, you just to the max. Yeah. And we're starting to see how, how these men mm. are really... Um, being affected by having mm-hmm. anything at their fingertips. Yeah, yeah there's the know? there's the do what you want culture, and there's yep. the also the who am I to say culture. Yeah, where mm-hmm. people are being you know oh, bastardized totally for saying, oh, uh, you know, your child should be able to choose what gender they are at the age of four, and yep. and we're seeing cases of that, and it's uh, it's an air of disdain towards authority. 
And so yeah. parents have less in the eyes of culture, less uh-huh. authority and power when they should, because realistically yeah. a, you know, 50 year old is way wiser than a 10 year old and uh-huh. should be making decisions. Oh, and, yeah. um, especially when it's rooted in love, that's the only way you can really develop. Um, I, my nephew, for instance, one day, um, just was watching something on TV and he goes up to uh, his mom and he goes, mom, am I always going to be a boy now? My mom had, or my sister had two options at that point. She could have said, well, you can choose. That would be popular in today's culture. Someday you can choose. Or she could have said what she did. Jack, yes, you will always be a boy. That will never change. And he just went back to playing like that. But when you plant those seeds, and if she would have said, well, someday you can choose, that just leads to an air of confusion for the kid. And ultimately, not freedom, but restriction. And that's more of the the standoffish part of this culture. You know, I think we have a lot of people that, you know, even with with gay marriage and stuff like that, like, who am I to say that they can't be married? Mm -hmm. And, you know, like Mm -hmm. that kind of culture, like if they love each other, then they should be able to do it, you know, or if it's a woman's body, she has the right to choose. Mm -hmm. And even with that kid, your nephew, it's like, well, he, he's going to have the right to choose someday because what am I supposed to say how he feels? You know, Mm -hmm. we're definitely in this culture where it's so wishy-washy and there's not even that much confrontation, which we're, which is where a strong chest would yeah. be, which would be good. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think what we're talking about is just relativism. It's, yeah. I mean, I think this idea of raising men without chests, it's a product of re- relativism. It's just anything's relevant. Anything, no, nothing matters. Nothing really has truth. There's no foundation. There's no real raw, this is the way, you know, uh, the man. <laughs> but I'm just saying. <laughs> that totally got me, dude. We went this long I without totally shouting out Star Wars. No, we did earlier, actually. I Never totally mind. just, just that just came out of nowhere. <laughs> this is the way. But, but what a, um, but I think that's, that, I think that's true. I mean, I think we've lost the way. I think we've lost this idea of yeah. that there is actually a path kind of predestined or meant and purpose filled for men. And that it's a kind of completely relative. It's just, it's up to you and you can decide and there's really no consequence. Like you said, um, well, they're not, they're not wrong though, because the critique of postmodernism and relativism is true. There are an infinite way. There are infinite ways of interpreting of, there are infinite ways of interpreting the world. But what we're getting at is there are only a finite way of applying things. There are only yeah. finite applicabilities. And I got right here with me this book by Jose Maria Escriva called The Way. And it's great. Uh, it's, he's just a fantastic philosopher. It's, he's not like a deep philosopher, but he's very practical. He's, he writes all yeah, these very aphorisms and small, like two or three sentence uh, inspirational words. But... I got one on prayer that is important for us, and it's, it's about prayer. So action is worthless without prayer, he writes. Prayer is worth more with sacrifice. And then he goes on to write about purity, number 121. There is need for a crusade of manliness and purity hmm. to counteract wow. and nullify the savage work of those who think man is a beast, or in other words, what our culture has defined toxic masculinity. Yeah. And he says, that crusade is your work. And one of the most important things is that he doesn't outline how to do your work. He, it's one of the, like, he gives you the inspiration, and he tells you, be a man, you know. The, to be a man, to be an adult, means you have to make responsible decisions for yourself. No one's going to really tell you how to do it. you got to follow the law, the yeah. capital L, the Lord's law. But 
if you're just a rule follower, that's still weakness. You need to choose to be virtuous in the confines of the law. But that's what we have to do is be courageous and pure while we're doing it. That's how we have the integration of the classical man, the courageous, the willful, the spirited. I have other words here from Frederick Nietzsche, but I think they balance each other out really well. And I can get yeah. to him later. Like he writes, you should aspire to the virtue of the pillar. The higher it rises, the fairer and more graceful it grows, but inwardly harder and able to bear more weight. Mm-hmm. He gets such a bad rap in the Christian Catholic community because, you know, he wrote that phrase, God is dead, but the context is, is a lamentation. He's, yeah. he's very it's about yeah. culture killing God, not his personal philosophy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like the image of men being pillars um, or just masculinity in itself kind of holding something up. And I think talking about raising men without chests and expecting of them virtue and enterprise, um, I think it's specifically that is that we're, we're raising up weak pillars. We're, we're building things on, on weak foundations um, or no foundations at all. And it's just this kind of relative, everything's kind of up in the air. It doesn't really matter. It, they're disgusting when yeah. you, you try to build a temple, like you think of a Greek temple, a pillar. It was all those beautiful... Mm-hmm. Um, Dorian pillars. Yeah. But if this guy's like, well, I don't want to be this tall pillar. I want to be uh, just a pile of bricks. That's mm-hmm. that's me. No, that's disgusting and ugly. Yeah. Well, and again, modernism, you know, there's this pillars. I th- you just mentioned Greek culture, and I was just thinking of how um, these pillars were these temples, but they were holding up this certain thought, this tradition that has been around that they've been building on. And you look at the Catholic Church, it's been around for 2,000 years, and this idea of standing on the shoulders of what's come before us and in masculinity and in, you know, taking masculinity and putting it in relativism and, and taking the Catholic church and putting in modernism, um, they just fall apart because if we forget where we came from and we're not actually standing on, right. Or learning from, because modernism is just, is, you know, there's nothing, there's yeah. nothing old. There's no tradition. It's out, yeah. the, it's out well, the window. With right? ancient ruins, what's the last to go? It's the pillars. Yes. It's that's the things that still stood forever. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, I mean, for me, like that's the, that's the type of life I want to live. I want to know that I'm, I'm building something that one day, not that I can be like Atlas holding up the world, but I could be holding up a family or I could be holding up yeah. a relationship or a yeah. friendship. And so I guess maybe, maybe this is just an answer to the question of, of how do we be dangerous men in culture is, is we, we become pillars to hold up what's true and what's good. Uh-huh. Dude, it sounds like, I like that. you want to work for the Charlemagne Institute. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink enough Chardonnay. Oh, <laughs> the dad jokes. The classic <laughs> misunderstanding. Of I rented words. a I rented a car. I, I got in a car accident and had to uh, rent a car from the other insurer's party, which is Geico. And they gave me a rental car, and I sent these guys a video, uh, like a little gif of just like I rented a car from Geico, and it came, it came with a sweet perk, and it just it's this picture of just panning over with a lizard in the front seat. <laughs> they're like nice dad joke. So it was good. Dad you can joke. never have enough dad jokes. No, you dads can't. are good. Dads are good. But anyhow, so yeah, I mean, go, okay, going back to this pillar idea, going yep. back to holding up what is true and good, and you know how how do we as pillars though live and build ourselves when we're maybe not called to hold something up, if that makes sense? Because I think you know the church and mm-hmm. family are the two primary institutions of culture, right? Yeah. And so if we're not in a family yet, or you know we're just single men trying yeah. to build this dangerosity, trying to build this strength, how do we how do we do that? Alone, how do how, like you, you just can't like a lot yeah. of a lot of guys are silos. They just kind of go out there and they build, but they're not actually called to hold anything up. You know, and they keep everything in themselves like silos. You need do. to you need to remember that one day you are going to be a father. 
food, you know? One day is a great quote about whoa. this. One day you're going to be a father, you know, so and are, are you going to have enough strength to spend on your family? Because if you wait um, to, you know, wait to, oh, I want to be the man that uh, my wife wants me to be. Once you get married, it's already too late. You know, you need to remember that you're going to be a father someday and that you need to so you're going to need to spend your strength on your on your family, on your wife. Whether it be for your career, you know, you might want to start building up your career mm-hmm. or your strength. You know, you might want to be able to protect your family or your church that. if you're if you're called to be a, a you know your spiritual father yeah. your spiritual yeah. father no matter what you're going to be a father you're going to be a father that's one amazing day. so i think as dangerous men we need to um we need to think towards fatherhood and yeah. start building ourselves yeah. up and start acting like we are going to be fathers yeah. or that we already are fathers dude even just another answer to your to your nephew's question right of like am i always yeah. going to be a boy yeah like yes you yeah. always be a boy, but yeah. there's one day where you're going to have to become a man. Yeah. And then there's going to be a day where you need to be a father, right? Like there's actually this mm-hmm. kind of predestined nature in mm-hmm. us. Progression. Right. And that what happens is if we, if, if, if we get castrated, you know what I mean? Or it's just like, yeah. there's things in this culture, in this world that want to castrate us. And yeah. telling that a man that, that he can yeah. choose if he wants to be a man or not yeah. can be a woman. That's castration, cut and dry yeah. castration. Yeah. You know? yeah. Mm-hmm. And so how do we defend from that? And, and not not necessarily. How do I protect myself, yeah. right? How do I how do I set up a system to just defend myself? But how do we defend others? How, how do we yeah. actually bring this kind of heroic nature that we've been talking about and well, being strong into the world? You need to be that stallion. You know, there's nothing more. Well, there's nothing more inspiring than a, seeing a wild stallion. You know, I've never seen one. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I have. But it's there's inspiring. nothing more inspiring than seeing a wild stallion. Yeah. But then, like even back then, to, to World War One, when it started off as a, uh, when they started off having cavalry, warhorse, <laughs> warhorse. You know, like nothing more cooler than a, a stallion that has been like meeked. You know, a mm-hmm. meek stallion mm-hmm. that their strength has been put under authority. Yeah. yeah. And and. I mean, that's awe-inspiring. The horse is the longest-lasting weapon in battle. So cool. They've wow. been used longer than guns, than anything. And uh, the most effective weapon in battle, I was watching the History Channel, and it basically did like a top <laughs> 10 of the greatest weapons. <laughs> <laughs> that's getting edited out. <laughs> so, that's anyways, awesome. um, and they said the horse was the most effective weapon in battle. Yeah, and we all are stallions, and hopefully, hopefully we're... In, we're not going to be neutered anytime soon or ever. Yeah. But we need to we need to embrace that side that we've been given. We need to embrace the life that we've been given and yeah. the, the sex that we've been given. Yeah. But and going back to your question, e, I think I think confrontation is um, very important for mm. making sure that people stay on the right path. That's what we talked about last week: disagreeability. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that that's essential for forming young men because, you know, if a young man's talking back to the professor in class and the professor's like, well, I don't want to be sued by his parents, so I'm not going <laughs> to say anything. And then the young man grows up and he's always interrupting people, never respectful, he never gets that job, and then he becomes despondent and poor and broken mm-hmm. and boom. And it's all because he didn't have that discipline because someone yeah. wasn't willing to confront him. Yeah. I mean, two things. Sean, you said stallion. You've never seen a stallion. And I, and I think yeah. I think that's that's true. I mean, I don't. I think it's rare for people to see stallions, and uh, not just the horse, but just like a stallion of a man. You yeah. know what I mean, like it's, you know, I can I can name a few men in my life that I'm like, yeah, that guy's a stallion. You know, right? Um, at the, but at the same time, 
men don't encounter stallions. They don't encounter yeah. strong men to disagree with them and to actually say, hey, you're going down the wrong path. You're asking the wrong questions and kind of put them on the right path. And then the second thing is a horse is what led men into war. You know, I mean, it's actually the thing that they put their strength on and actually sent them into battle. And this idea of like, I hope my, my prayer, my hope is that one day someone could rely on me because I'm strong and I could lead them someplace, you know, and that like, whether it be my family, whether it be a parish, but just to be able to kind of have someone kind of stand on the shoulders of my strength and to kind of lead them on. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, th- I think we, we've all encountered stallions, but I think that's unique because many men don't because yeah. they actually don't see that truth. So they get lost in the waves of relativism and they're yeah. just like, oh, I'm going to f- kind of flow in this. And I'm going to, I'm going to put John on the spotlight. Cause he always says, you got to gird your loins. And we're talking about being castrated and there's just something, there's a certain strength in that. Right. And that castration is taking away the very fruit of masculinity is, mm-hmm a gift of someone's strength to create new life. Um, and a horse is what leads you into battle. And if we, if we, if we remove that, that masculine heart, that strength, there's nothing to be bringing us into battle. We're going to have to walk in ourselves and we're going to get cut down. So I'm going to throw it at you and talk about this, gird your loins about this idea of just this strength, this, this chest, you know, testosterone muscle, you know, barreled gorilla. I just feel like this is your thing, man. And you've been running with it for like months now. And I want to just, I want to see it unleashed here. So there's a, no question there. It's just, it's heated just up, man. That's great. Well, the reason why we talked about this at a young middle school event was because that's the response God gives to man. Mm. The book of Job, when he is, like you said, Jacob, he, he's despondent and poor. He's riddled with boils and he's angry and he's resentful and he gives in. What is God's challenge? But like the, the prerequisite, of taking on life or becoming a stallion is mm. you need to first gird your loins and the, I don't know, ancient Aramaic or whatever Cyrillic language was, was like, grab your testes. And that's why they would, in very old cultures, testify would mean you would literally grab the other guy's testicles when you would arrange... Um, that's so When you would cool. arrange... <laughs> A truce or something, because there, this was a source. It, it literally is a source of life for newborn humans. Yeah, We produce wow. the life, but it's a very powerful symbol. Mm. And when you realize and recognize that God wants that in you. In fact, that's the first thing he tells you. Okay, be a man, gird your loins, take responsibility. Yeah, take ownership. And then he, God goes on to berate Job for like 12 pages. Just edit, edit, edit. Where were you? Did, were you here? Were you here when I made the earth? No. Gird your loin. Keep going. Come on. And yeah. it's, it's back to fighting. It, I love to picture that scene as like God's taunting him um, in like the octagon or something. Yeah. He's just like pushing him around. But the response is continually, come on, step up, step up. You yeah. can do this. You can do this. Yeah. It's the fatherly discipline. And yeah. all the books of wisdom talk about discipline, wow. discipline your son and the fruits of it eventually pay off. But yeah. what you said uh, several minutes ago, the question was something, well, how do we do this if you're alone? And we were hitting on, you know, well, you, you know, you're young. Nietzsche talks about this. You're young. Do you want marriage and children? But I ask you, are you a man who ought to desire children? Are you the victor? Are you the self-conqueror? Are you the overman? Are you the ruler of your senses, the lord of your virtues? Are you capable of being a man? And once you have those things in order yeah. and you're ordered, the pillar is strong at its base and at its core, then you like you start to build the house and you start yeah. to build the beautiful architecture mm. around you, this awesome temple. Wow. 
That was good. Thanks, man. So just to, just to wrap up, I think let's just share some practicals. Um, for me, it's uh, that, that idea of gird your loins. Um, the next time you hit chest day, the next time you are going to take a, a woman on a date, the next time you're, you're going to confront uh, a situation in your life, this idea of, of gird your loins and, and to actually take ownership of your masculinity and actually accept the truth that we are set apart as men and that there's strength in that. And then to kind of offer that to kind of, you know, punch that fist out, but from a place of stability and strength and a pivot in a way that's, that's with God into your life. That makes sense. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's my practical. Yeah. I mean, take that woman on a date and gird your loins. Gird those loins. <laughs> no, it's important to remember who you are Yeah, for females. I don't know how they do, but for males, like I, you can just reach down and recognize that God made yeah. me a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. And there's an incredible power and potency behind that. Impotentia. Yeah. Impotentia. Impotentia. Yeah, I want to piggyback off that. Um, affirm truth. People yearn for it. They don't want some lukewarm, watered-down answer. Don't be PC. Be truthful. Mm. Yeah. Be that stallion. I think I want to be a stallion. You got the main. You got to see one a week. You got the main. It's just flowing. I want to. What's that uh, spirit? <laughs> the Disney movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> the stallion. Yeah, that's it's, good, it's that's like the Matrix. Movie. It's like you haven't seen the stallion because you are the stallion. Oh, like, whoa! What's that one movie where he goes to the desert? The Delgado. <laughs> oh no. Um, Del, El, El Dorado? El Dorado. They go. That's, thinking, that's in like. Uh, I was thinking. Wait, wait what's what's El the Disney Dor- movie? The El Dorado. Wait, no, Rango. That's, no, no. It's it's it's. They go find treasure. Yeah, that's El Is Dorado. It, that's El Dorado. The, what's not the desert though? No, that's, but what's the what's Pancho Villa? <laughs> that's the most alone race. Natural No, no. It's this movie about it's it's a race, but it's a race across the desert. Oh, right. And the guy like passes out and he's like dying, but it's his horse actually carries him. You know, like the horse carries him to the victory and he's just he's losing life but it's actually the strength of the horse that keeps on walking what's that movie called I don't know oh that oh reminds me goodness. of Secretariat the what <laughs> Seabiscuit Seabiscuit <laughs> no from Lord of the Rings if you remember from the two towers and I were to finish up here but yes where the crazy horse is jumping around in the yeah. stable and then Aragorn walks up and whispers some mm, elvish so to sick. it the horse's name was Brago and then once he gets that thing under control, like he brings the ordering kingly energy mm, to yeah. this horse. And then later in the film, the horse rescues Aragorn after yeah. he falls off the cliff. So, yeah. so you, like it, once you channel it and get it properly bridled, Brego is no longer this uh, crazy stallion. He's meek. He's yes, meek. and dude, th- that whispering, that moment, that encounter is is the Lord. Is is actually the Lord coming and kind of if, like we're just kind of jumping around. We don't really know what to do with this strength, yeah. but it's this Lord kind of calming us and saying, "This is this is what I have for you. This is the strength." And honestly, I think how we engage the culture and how we change the culture with dangerosity is because the Lord's going to whisper something to us. He's actually going to make something of us. And then there's going to be a moment that we need to save him. There's going to be a moment that our faith is called upon in culture because he's being attacked or because the church is being Mm. attacked and we need to go find him in that battle and actually, you know, be there for the Lord in that, you know, so I think the way we encounter culture is, is being a gift to God with their, with their dangerosity. Anyhow, that's a lot. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for joining Cheers. us. Cheers. Quick rap. Quick rap. This is Sean. McDonald's rap. Jacob. And John. And Eric. Eric. Sons of Thunder is a podcast for young men by young men about living a life centered around faith, fellowship, and fitness.